Blog Talk Radio. Hello, Nats Town. Welcome to Nats Nightly, sponsored by FederalBaseball.com. This is Patrick Reddington from Federal Baseball. I've got Matt Wyrick from Federal Baseball and Dave Nichols, beat reporter for the Spokesman Review, which is in Spokane, Washington, I'm told, who covers the Mariners out there close to Seattle, lives in Idaho. Is that right, Dave? That's just about right. All right. He's also at D Nichols SR on Twitter. Tell me what I get wrong later. Nationals tonight. No, you're good. Five to one. <laughs> five to one over the Mariners. Second straight over the Mariners. Third straight overall. They've uh, we had Tanner Roark on a little bit of a rough stretch, winless in May going into here. Six two three ERA, twelve walks, four home runs allowed, two sixty five, three fifty eight, four twenty two line against, and twenty one and two thirds in the last four starts. Uh, Mike Rizzo told the sports junkies on 106.7 The Fan this morning he thinks it's a dead arm period after an early start to his 2017 campaign, pitching in the World Baseball Classic, or not pitching much in the World Baseball Classic, I would note. Uh, it's been a little rough out going for him the last couple of weeks, but uh, one-out double by Carl Seager, RBI double by Cano in the first one nothing. That's the only one he allows, though. Nationals retake the lead in the bottom of the inning. Roark goes seven innings, eight hits, eight Ks, no walks, which is big for him. Something he talked about, wanted to cut down, uh, nine ground ball outs, a solid start, 102 pitches total. Much more Roark-like than we've seen in the last couple months, and he looked good out there on the mound today. He was working quickly and kind of put the Mariners away early. Yeah, you know, if you're a pitcher that's scuffling right now, the Mariners, you're Panacea, um, because they, they've scored exactly one run in each of their last five games. Uh, not shockingly, a five-game losing streak. Uh, I thought Roark looked good today. Uh, like you said, he was efficient, didn't walk anybody, was throwing first-pitch strikes, um, and taking advantage of uh, certainly taking advantage of the bottom of the uh, the Mariners roster there, the uh, uh, contact-starved Mariners batting order. Uh, they got a couple of guys that are really scuffling. Mike Zanino um, has hit one home run since being recalled from the minors and um, and nothing else. Um, and, and the Nats were, were fortunate enough to get uh, uh, Gene Segura on a bad day where he went 0 for 4 and committed an error, which led to a run in the first inning anyway. So, um, yeah, I, you know, kudos to, to Roark for figuring out what was wrong with him and, and getting back on uh, uh, getting back on track because he's a big part of the Nats rotation. It was huge getting him back there uh, after he struggled. The Nats need these. Uh, they got a good start from Joe Ross last night, Matt, get another one from Tanner Roark here. Uh, that swing back fastball he uses inside the lefties is a big thing for him. Uh, the slider looked good tonight, threw a couple curves for strikeouts. Uh, the 8K is a good sign for him, too. Just really looked in command out there on the mound. And like I said, more like the row arc we've come to expect over the last couple seasons. Yeah, I like when I saw him up out there, especially from the fastball, which is hovering into mid to low 90s, um, getting all those ground ball outs nine and not a much, not many balls in the air really at all. I mean, he had no flyouts, a couple of lineouts here and there, but had the strikeout fortune working, which really isn't his thing. And I also like that he didn't allow any walks. That had been a big problem for him. Seven walks allowed in his last two starts before today. So the fact that he was able to maintain control, keep the ball in the strike zone, he really had everything working. Dave, Sam, I had to spell this out for myself. Gavilio, is that right? <laughs> That's what they tell us. 2011 cards, fifth-round pick acquired by the Mariners in a trade for Ty Kelly in 2014. Uh, two appearances in the majors, one start, 3-3-1 ERA, 3-9-6 FIP, 4.41 Ks per nine, uh, 0.83 walks per nine, and 32 and two-thirds at AAA before he came up. 
uh, gave up a run on the sack fly in the first, uh, RO reached on error, stolen base fly out, and then the sack tied it up at one. Anthony Rendon takes a 1-1 slider out to the left field, three-run home run. That was basically all the Nationals needed there. Uh, Michael A. Taylor with a bunt, a sack uh, scores on a Taylor hit and make it 5-1, but uh, he gave up those four early, just one run after that. Looked pretty good out there on the mound, was working pretty quickly. Uh, this, both of the starters kind of put together nice outings after that uh, quick game, second quick game in a row for the Nationals. These two teams kind of seem like they want to get this series over with and get the Mariners out of D.C. Yeah, I certainly think there's something to that. Um, Gavilio settled down after those first two innings, but uh, the bottom line is with, with the Mariners missing four-fifths of their rotation uh, due to injury, um, they're they're stuck with play, pay, placing double-A AA and triple-A pitchers into the rotation, and uh, Gavilio just doesn't have any place in a major league rotation right now. I mean, he might eventually uh, turn out to be a pretty decent uh, a bullpen arm, a guy that, um, you know, he's a sinker-slider guy, um, and he's got a little bit of talent, but he doesn't have a wipeout pitch. I mean, you read his, his strikeout numbers even in the minors, and it's been even worse in the big leagues here. So um, this is just not a guy that is equipped to face um, a lineup that's as deep as the Washington Nationals are. Um, uh, you know, he, he got two outs there in the first inning uh, with only one run across, and then um, and then a hard-hit double into the corner, and then a home run by Rendon, who um, is just you know smacking the Mariners around uh, this series. So um, look, this is just a, a tremendously difficult road trip for the Mariners. They they came on to it with six games below 500. They've got to go through D.C., Boston, uh, and then to Colorado, and, and they could very well end Oof. up being 10 games below 500 uh, by the time they get home. And um, that doesn't do anybody any good. It doesn't do the team any good. It doesn't do manager Scott Service any good. Um, and, and you're right. Tonight they looked like they rolled over. It looked like after that first inning they just wanted to get the game over with. There was just very little resistance on the part of the Mariners tonight. After Tanner Roark was out there, Matt, seven innings on the mound, Eddie Romero, Sean Kelly combined for a scoreless eighth, a dominant ninth by Coda Glover. Dave, I want to get your take on him too because we've talked about him a lot over the last couple of years. But, Matt, um, uh, slider 93-94, just absolutely nasty. Glover went out there and kind of dominated. Uh, Dusty Baker said after the game, I'm pulling up the tweet here real quickly, uh, Washington Post writer Chelsea James quoting him, uh, that's the job that Glover wanted. It's his now, effectively naming him the closer for now after a few failed opportunities to get someone in there. Glover can look as good as he did tonight in a non-save situation, of course. He uh, comes out there with a four-run lead, but he can look that good going forward. Uh, Solves a lot of the problems for the Nationals. They can fill in behind him and add a couple arms up uh, elsewhere. But uh, that's what you want from Glover. That's what you want from a closer, even a non-safe situation. Yeah, I mean, everybody at the start of the season was saying Glover would be the eventual closer anyway. It was just a matter of time before the role became his. So I guess it's becoming his a lot sooner than many expected, but stepped in well. I mean, he was shaky right before he went on the disabled list, and that might have been an attribute of the injury. So since he's come back, he's been pretty effective. Strikeout numbers are up there. He's maintaining pretty good at control, not putting a lot of base runners on. Um, I've liked what I've seen so far, and I'm looking forward to what he's going to be able to um, do in the role moving forward. Dave, they obviously uh, went through Blake Trinan, uh, Sean Kelly named the closer next. Uh, there's been talk all along that Glover would be the closer eventually, but he's young, doesn't have a lot of experience as a professional, nonetheless, in the majors. Uh, what do you think about the Nats kind of throwing him in there? Do you think he sticks, or do you think they're still going to go out there and look for a veteran closer? 
Well, I, I think what the thing with Glover is this. He, he's got an awful lot of talent. And he always had pretty good strikeout numbers in the minor leagues. Um, that hasn't really um, transferred over to the big so far. I mean, he's striking out about eight per nine innings. You'd like to see your closer up in the 10 and a half, 11, uh, even creeping higher, and, you know, once you get to the elite guys. Uh, you talk about a guy like David Robinson, Robertson, who's been uh, just vastly available over the last two seasons and nobody's traded for him. He's striking out over 11 and a half per nine innings. That's the type of guy you want in the closer role. But I think they're, the Nats are going to try to do it on the cheap. Um, which is kind of unfortunate since they, um, you know, they expressed the willingness to, to take on a contract like Chapman or uh, or other guys. But, uh, um, you know, the, the thing with David Robertson, he's got a bunch of money tied up in in that deal. And unless the, the Nats can get them to eat some salary, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, you know, but the, but the thing is, as you prompted in the, the roundtable that you posted, um, you know, the, the Nets need to do something in the closer. They need to have more reliability back there. Glover's got uh, a lot of talent, but right now the reliability factor is a thing. He's a rookie. He's never closed full-time even in the minor leagues. And, and for the Nets to expect a, a rookie to handle that type of pressure on a daily basis in a pennant race in a team that's expected to be a World Series contender, I just think that it's, um, that it's, it's penny-wise and, and pound-foolish, as, as the expression goes. <laughs> I don't disagree with that. I think they might have broken Blake Trine in doing what they tried to do this winter. And uh, you have a uh, reliever like Glover, young as he is, go out there and have a few bad outings, start to struggle again. You might blow two of your young, uh, high-end, like hard-throwing back-end relievers uh, within the span of a couple months. So dangerous game they're playing, trying to get by with what they have. But like Rizzo and uh, Baker have said in the last couple of weeks, no one's going to just hand you a closer and make a good trade with you right now. You're going to have to overpay if you want to get one. So if they can get by and see what they can do, I think they're better off. But uh, I think they clearly need some additions in this bullpen, even though they got a good outing for them tonight. Speaking of good outings, that Matt, uh, Anthony Rendon got off to a slow start this uh, April, ended it with a six-for-six six game, three home runs. So far in May, 19 games, 279, 413, 590 line, uh, five doubles, a triple, four home runs, 14 walks, 11 Ks, which you just love to see, more walks and strikeouts. Uh, homered again tonight. That's three so far in the series. That three-run blast pretty much blew this one wide open tonight. Yeah, I mean, Rendon's typically a slow starter. You remember last year he had that big power outage for the first month and a half where everyone was wondering, you know, is, has he lost it? Have the injuries too much for him? And now he, he kind of lost something in his swing. But turned things around and put together a pretty good season. He's doing again now. Um, he's able to hit the ball to all fields. One of the best pure hitters in the game. It was such a sweet swing. You know, you, you love to see it. Even down in the number six spot with the guys that are hitting in front of him, he's still going to have plenty of RBI opportunities. I mean, Murphy and Zimmerman are no schmucks. So having him in that sixth spot is pretty crucial, especially with Worth hitting well in the number two. There's no reason to move him from the spot he's in now, let him get comfortable, and just let him keep producing how he's producing. Dave, uh, one of the big surprises for me over the last couple of weeks, I know we're both on the same page over the last couple of years about Michael A. Taylor and his what he's done so far in the majors, but going into tonight since taking over for Adam Eaton, 25 for 77, that's a 325, 358, 519 line in 20 games. He also has 29 Ks and 81 plate appearances over that stretch, I should add. Uh, one for four tonight, bunted himself on, ended up scoring a run in the game. A really nice play out in left field to bring a home run, a potential home run from Robinson Cano back into the, play, and the field of play. Didn't make the catch, but reached over the wall and flipped it back into play. Really impressive little effort there. Uh, 
diving catch and center later in the game to take away a hit. I don't know if he can sustain this. I like what I've seen from Michael A. Taylor. Dusty Baker made a big point of uh, telling reporters that he had reached out to Michael A. Taylor and talked to him when he went down and said, you know, this is your chance, uh, one of many chances that you've had, so you better go out there and do what you're doing right now. So impressive start from him. Uh, I don't know if I believe yet. What are your thoughts on Michael A. Taylor? Well, you know, Taylor has always been a terrific athlete, right? I mean, he's a guy that came up a two-sports star, so he didn't play baseball 100% of the time uh, in preps. And then when he got to the to the minor leagues, uh, you know, played shortstop and then and then he moved into the outfield. So this is a guy that that, that, is, that was behind beyond behind the learning curve, if I can talk right, um, as he was coming up. So he still, even as a professional, was logging baseball innings. Um, essentially learning the professional game. Uh, then with the injuries the Nats have had the last couple of years, he got rushed up to the bigs. You and I talked about this several years ago when they when they rushed him up that, you know, this was a guy that probably needed a full season or two at AAA uh, just to, to come accustomed to the professional game. Um, you know, so he's been a, a slow developer. Uh, everybody talks about the talent. He's got 2020 uh, capability. Um, it's just a question of whether he's going to be able to make enough contact to put that all together. Um, I think that, that since Eaton got hurt and he's gotten the regular playing time again, yes, it's encouraging, but he's had stints like this before where he goes for two weeks, 10 days, you know, 10 days, two weeks, um, up to almost a month where it looks like, hey, you know, he's going to put it together and then he goes back to hitting one, 150 um, for a six to two weeks, six weeks to two month stretch. Um, I'd like to see it click for him because I think he's got all the talent in the world. Obviously, he's a, a, a tremendous defender. Um, you know, not the not the best route runner, but uh, but he's got enough speed to make up for it. So, um, yeah, it's encouraging. Hopefully, this is the, the, the time that he's finally put it all together. Um, but he's going to have to do it for for longer than a, a two week to two month stretch for me to to to, to buy into it. Even the fact that he continues to strike out at a rather alarming rate while he's doing well uh, has me a little bit worried about what's going to come for him in the future. But impressive thus far since taking over for Eaton and exactly what the Nationals needed because that could have been a real devastating blow for a team that clearly felt they needed a center fielder this winter when they went out and traded three top prospects for Eaton. So good for Michael A. Taylor so far, an impressive game tonight. They do have some problems in the outfield, though, Matt. Uh, they lost one of their bench bats and backup outfielders today. Uh, right biceps rupture for uh, Chris Heisey. Uh, apparently didn't feel good uh, last night. Swinging, went out there today and ruptured the right bicep, which that word just sounds absolutely awful when it comes to a muscle in your body. But uh, Brian Goodwin back up. Been a tough season for Heisey so far. He hasn't really – I don't think he has any hits off the bench. I think he's 0 for 14 so far as a pinch hitter this season. Has hit a few in a, when he's gotten random starts, but hasn't been off to a good start. Now he's going to miss some significant time, possibly if he has to have surgery on this. It's unclear as of this time as whether he'll need it or not. But Nats are losing someone who was big for them last year. I hope Brian Goodwin can back up, maybe provide a little defense out there. But – not the veteran pinch hitter that you probably like to have on your bench, and more importantly, not a right-hander for the Nets bench. No, I mean, how big does this Adam Lynn signing look now? I mean, at first, uh, people lauded the signing because, you know, no one trusted Zimmerman coming back and weren't sure if he was going to be able to play full-time if he continued to hit the way he did. So you sign Lynn as a backup first baseman and have him be some insurance there if Zimmerman doesn't pan out. But now that he has, I mean, he's only really getting pinch-hitting uh, at bats, in addition to maybe the occasional day offers him. Um, so the fact that they've been able to throw him in there, and especially the lefty, 
has been huge. Um, a tough break for Heisey. Uh, I've always liked him. He's a good power hitter. Comes up uh, in some pretty clutch moments. I mean, between him and Stephen Drew last year, they were pretty fun to watch on the bench. So um, tough to see that for him. But I do like that Brian Goodwin's coming back. I mean, Dusty, after the game yesterday, was apparently a little chippy in the uh, post-game press conference when talking about sending Goodwin down. And some of the reporters got the sentiment that he likes him a lot and wish he had more opportunities to play. So, while it's a tough break for Heisey, this is definitely a good uh, good move for the former number one uh, on the team prospect in Goodwin. Uh, I, I was actually rooting for him to beat out Michael Taylor for that last outfield spot heading into the year. So <laughs> I liked what I saw out of him in that short stint last year, and I think that maybe he gets a few more regular bats here and there if good, uh, if Taylor doesn't pan out or strikeouts strike start to pile up too much. Maybe he'll get a chance to prove himself and show some of that flashes of the true number one prospect he used to be. Dave, I know you're out there on West Coast time. You're going to have to wake up for a 9.05 game tomorrow morning. Uh, the Nationals switched it from 4.05 to 12.05 because there's weather uh, expected late in the afternoon, some rain that's not supposed to stop once it starts there. I think it's pretty much guaranteed it's going to start raining earlier than that. But uh, what do you think about the Nationals actually trying to be proactive and move the game up to get Seattle out of there on a reasonable time? Well, they, they need to get it in. You know, like like we said the other day, they're they're not going to come back, and and the Nats aren't going to visit Seattle. So, um, this is one of uh, Seattle's uh, few uh, true East Coast road trips. So they don't have any other option. They have to play it tomorrow. Um, it's unfortunate that it's got to start so early. Um, I'll be uh, I'll be eating my breakfast and sitting in my PJs watching it at home before I come into the office. So. Um, yeah, you know, they, they, that's why they said they, they played through the rain the other night because they just they have to get these games in, there's no question. And that's part of the uh, the vagaries of, of interleague play, especially when, um, you know, when an uh, East uh, division plays a West division, they just don't have any other options. So, um, so yeah, so it's, it's, it's breakfast in Wimbledon uh, time for the Nets and the Mariners tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I thought 12 o'clock was early until I remember that you were going to have to watch a game at 9 o'clock, so I'm feeling for you. Uh, good luck getting everything done in time. At least you got a few extra hours tonight, whereas I have to go out and start pounding away at the keyboard to get everything set for the morning. Uh, 28-17 and 17 on the year after the win for the Nats. Second straight, as I mentioned, third straight overall. Uh, second straight over the Mariners, third straight overall. Uh, tomorrow afternoon, Ariel Miranda against Gio Gonzalez, 12.05 p.m. in Nationals Park. Dave Nichols from the Spokesman Review out in Spokane, Washington. As I mentioned, now all of a sudden their newspaper name makes sense. At D Nichols SR on the Twitter. Matt Wyrick at Matt Talk Sports on the Twitter. If you're not following him already, you should be. He needs more followers on there. Get him up. <laughs> Matt Knightley, sponsored by FederalBaseball.com. We'll talk to you guys after tomorrow's game. Appreciate it, Patrick. Have a good night. Good to talk to you again, Dave. Doghouse says, Go yeah, now.